Welcome to It Just Makes Sense. A podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated, former lovers. That explores all of the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It It Just just Makes makes sense. Sense. I'm Sam Smith. And I'm Jeff Seifert. And on this episode, I'm covering the documentary called The State of Texas vs. Melissa, which covers the first Hispanic woman to be sentenced to death in Texas. Didn't we do this one already? My heart just sunk. Did we? Isn't she the lesbian? No. Oh. No. I don't think we did this one. Oh, I thought she was the, I thought it was the one, like, that was accused of molesting the children no that's um south uh southwest by salem or salem four there's four women in that one Uh, they were not sentenced to death like she is sentenced to death row got it okay my god you just gave me a heart attack say no i forget but i was like i don't think we've covered this one because this was a lot all right right. um so trigger warning there is talk about child abuse and it's based off of that but it doesn't have to do with like sexual abuse or Anything of that nature. Okay. So the film starts with a video recording of a police interview with a woman named Melissa. They're asking her about the bruises found on her daughter's body and where they came from. Melissa claims that they are from when she would spank her um, to get her to stop doing something. So they gave her a doll and asked her how she would spank her daughter. She demonstrated on the doll and right away the police were like... I mean, that's pretty hard. And it was like she was kind of like, like really firmly like smacking the doll's bottom. Okay. Um, so I there's mean, ch- just a quick stop. Here. Yeah. If you know you're under investigation, why would you tell the truth? Right. Well, they'll get into it. I think it was a little bit of like coercion. This is after uh, like 13 hours, like all this stuff. Okay. I was like, that doesn't make much sense to me. Why wouldn't you have just like. Right, yeah. So, like, cover your ass. Right. So, now they're just showing pictures of this, like, poor small child with bruises all over her and asking how they happened or what had happened to this poor baby. They ask her how Melissa feels when she sees the pictures, and she kind of breaks down, and she was like, I wish it was me and not her. And then it just cuts off and goes to, like, the true star of the film. So, that's kind of the introduction to the documentary. Okay. So we're off to Gatesville, Texas, where Melissa Elizabeth Lucio is being held in the state penitentiary. She's 48 years old, and she has 14 children. What? Mm-hmm. Did you say 48? 48 years old and has, has 14, 14 children. children. Wow. And is currently on death row and has been for the last 11 years. That's crazy. So the next teen- scene they show is the medical examiner discovering discovering how she had gotten a call to come in and that they needed an autopsy done on a case. And it was one of the worst cases of child abuse that she had ever seen. Or so she claims. She says there were bruises from the head to toe on the child, on the face and in the hair and on the chest. Even abrasions and bite marks on the back of the neck. Okay. Patches of hair had been pulled out, and the, and the child had a broken arm. Were they still alive? No. this point, the child's child dead. dead. Okay. But what was the injury that killed her on that day? There was a blood pooling at the base of the brain, and it looked like it was from, like, a fall or a punch to the head or a kick, like, to the back of the head. She says it looks like it was 100% a homicide, and it could not have been from a fall or trip down the stairs. 
The reason that Melissa Lucio is on death row is for the murder of her daughter. So the prosecutors, they don't really like get into too much about the trial itself. Okay. A little bit, but not very much in the beginning. So you're kind of trying to figure out like what's going, what's on? going on. So Melissa Lucio was sentenced for the murder of her daughter, um, Mariah, and the prosecutors are claiming that Mariah died due to horrific child abuse. Okay. Melissa is claiming her daughter had fallen down like this really steep set of like wooden chairs outside of their home um, like two days prior. And like she thought she was okay. She thought everything was fine. Then she went to bed one night and Mariah never woke up. And like they don't know what happened. Okay. So that's kind of what she's claiming. Like this fall is what must have given her like yeah, a brain injury, injury and, and like know. they didn't know. Like a brain bleed, like the po- the blood pooling in their head. Okay. So now we're off to Melissa's attorney's office, Margaret Schumacher. Margaret Schmucker. My apologies. She's been working on the case for over a decade. She took it on after her after Melissa's direct appeal had already been concluded. The case itself was super large. There's like over 3,000 pages long of paperwork from CPS indicating that Melissa Lucio was nonviolent. There was no evidence anywhere that they could find in the CPS records that she was violent to any of her children. Well, where did all the bruises and stuff come? Hair right. There was no proof that the bruises on her body at the time of death that the state attributed to the beatings from Melissa for days and weeks leading up to the final blow. There was no indication that it was Melissa's nature or that it could have been her. It's not possible that none of the other kids couldn't have noticed or been aware. Like they just kept saying, like, none of the kids even testified. Like, I've never saw my mother lay a hand on her. I never saw her lay a hand on like she never laid a hand on any of us. We were with there's 14 of them. They were like, we were with her all the time. With that many children. Right. One of them had to have seen something, you'd think. And like they lived in like a two-bedroom apartment because, like, they had no money. So, like, they said, like, we were with her all the time. Like, there was no chance for her to beat this child without one of us noticing. Right. You know what I mean? She also had, and this is, she had no time with the daughter alone for this to happen with 14 kids. There was always someone with her when she was with Mariah. Her mother, Esperanza, oh, I love that name, at First, she had a little bit of doubt. Like, she was like, if this is what the jury is saying and this is what the jur- judge said, then this is what must have happened. Like, my daughter must have killed her. We must have ne- not been aware of what was happening in the home. But she said that, like, all of their other children said that Melissa didn't do it. Like, her Melissa's siblings as well. But if the judge and jury found her guilty then it had to be true. Like, I think the mother's in, like, doesn't know what to believe, which okay. is kind of crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But she goes, as much as I don't know what to believe, I don't know why she would do it. She's sure. like, if she did it, I don't understand why. Because she was always, like, a loving person. She did have a hard life and a poor life. But Melissa was never violent. She was kind of the quiet, caring one out of all of her children. So Melissa had gotten married very young, and by the age of 24, she already had five children. Ugh. She was married at 16. That sounds awful. Ugh. 
But she claims she was she got married to escape her childhood. She said she was molested by her mother's boyfriend at a very young age, oh. about seven years old when the abuse started. She grew up feeling hurt and not feeling loved. Because of that incident, she continued to be molested by other family members. And this is what's crazy. One time she was in her kitchen and she told her mother that her boyfriend's name, her mother's boyfriend's name was Kilo, that Kilo had been abusing her. And her mother was like, don't ever say that, Melissa. Like, that's not true. Why would you say that? And then, like, she just let it go. Like, she didn't believe her. And her mother to this day was like, I did. She she was a young girl. I didn't believe that what she was saying could have happened. And so I didn't believe a word that she said. And she goes, looking back, it's probably true what she was saying. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. So now they bring in John Pinkerman, who is a licensed psychologist who was approached to join the defense team to represent Melissa Lucio in her capital murder trial. In talking with Melissa, her abuse had never been reported and she never had a consistent treatment or help consistent treatment like or help throughout all of that. She just had a string of men in her life that was abusing her, taking advantage of her, and also like they were just like criminals. They were all like drug dealers or gang uh, members or you know what I mean, like a violent type of life. Okay. But he found that she eventually found her meaning in life by being a mother. And he found that she didn't fit the criteria that had been studied of mothers who killed their children. Those mothers were usually categorized into an assortment of different groups. So they said one of them is mothers who are suffering from a mental illness. This one, though, I'm kind of like, how can you say she wasn't suffering from a mental illness by the amount of abuse she had gone through and not like sought treatment for? Like she had to have. I mean, she's been going through PTSD, PTSD. but I don't know if he meant like suffering from a severe mental illness, such as schizophrenia, like manic depression, manic depression, psychotic episodes, something like that. Yeah. Um, Another kind is a parent who is retaliatory. How do you say that word? Said it right. Thank you. Towards their children. And Melissa didn't fit that criteria. And another one is a history of prior violence against children. And she didn't fit into that either. So it seemed to him that something more had to have been involved in this case because her nature and history didn't fit the crime. Did she do it? Who knows? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, was like, we, I was like, are you asking me? I haven't heard many details yet. How would I know? So Daniela, Melissa's daughter, is brought in to be interviewed. And she always wanted a big family like her mom. So she has nine of her own children. Uh, these people, good for them, but I, not a me. a lot of baby making. A lot of baby making. She's the oldest of Melissa's daughters. So she said that she would help her mom a lot. If Melissa had to go out, she'd watch them. She was like a second mother to them. She said growing up, they would go. This was kind of sad. Like they were really poor. So growing up every day, they would her mom would pick them up from school, take them to a soup kitchen for dinner. Then they'd go to a park and her mom would like play with them until they had to go to bed. Um, And she said that like her mom was always there though. Like she was always with them at the park or taking them to dinner. And she was super loving and never violent. Like she took the time to give them attention and play with them. Um, And she was always with them and she never left them with a babysitter. She did say... And a couple of people have mentioned it as well, that Melissa did have a drug problem. 
But she said it wasn't like she was neglectful. Like she made sure that they were ate and bathed, but like she was always high on something. Oh, really? Her brother didn't fully agree with what um, her daughter Daniela was saying because he claimed that her drug problem was starting to take over everything that she had. Like she would go to the bathroom at night for hours and do drugs. Um and wouldn't come out until she was back to being like sober again. So she would take like a hit of heroin and then wait a few hours and then come out of the bathroom. So the oh. kids wouldn't really see her like too high. So they might not have even known. Right. So, and like she had started to lose everything. Like she was living in a one to two bedroom apartments with all of her children. Um, but her family claims like she never really complained about it or she just kind of never asked for help. She just, that was her life and she kind of lived it. Right. Okay. So now they start showing the CPS reports. One of them, in one of the reports, it reports that the family water had been turned off for over a month. There didn't appear to be much food in the home, but the children did not appear to be losing weight. And another, the family had been homeless for the past month to six weeks. They're, um, they're sleeping in a park near the elementary school and that they relied on the school for food and hygiene. And another... Um, Melissa was given an instant drug test and it came back positive for cocaine. The decision had been made at that point to remove her kids. Melissa's lawyer claims that the CPS files, um, that are in the CPS files, the children are removed because she was neglectful, but it was never for violence. And that there was records that Mariah was prone to falling downstairs or falling in general because one of her foot was turned inward inward. And the other one wasn't. So it made like her gait uneven. Sure. So she was always like tripping over herself or falling in places. Interesting. Right. And Melissa's children's claim that they saw Mariah fall down those wooden stairs before. And that information had never been presented to the court. Melissa's son, who was eight at the time of murder, claims that, or the time of death, I should say, claims that his mom would um, would not have been in jail if they had just looked into what had happened that day. He said that the police never questioned the kids on um, where they were that day or who they were with. And he said that his mom was never violent and no one saw his mom ever touch Mariah. He also said the only time he ever saw bruises on her was when she fell from the stairs. He said she cried after falling, but then appeared to be fine. Like she was quick to recover from it. Okay. And the night Mariah died, he said, like, I kissed her good night and she seemed to be pretty tired. So she laid down in bed and he goes, the next thing you know, she just wouldn't wake up the next day. Mm. And all of them were like crying hysterically and CPS came then and took them from the family. Melissa was arrested that night or like that next day when Mariah wouldn't wake up and immediately was brought in for questioning, which from the very beginning um, of the movie, that was like them questioning her. So that's when they brought her in for those interviews. The police were yelling at her about beating her child and she was sitting there saying like, I did not beat my child. I did not touch my children, sir. And honestly, they tried hard to break her, but she kept steadily saying like, I did not touch or harm my child in any way. I know she fell down the stairs. That's where the bruises came from. But the police were not having it. So what did what did they, what did she say? Did they ask her about the other injuries? It doesn't like it appears. It appears as though they only asked her about bruising on the body, okay. and she was like, "The bruising came from when she fell down the stairs." Like I don't know what else to tell you. 
And she said the police were very vulgar, very persistent. And for seven hours of questioning, she finally broke down and was like, fine. If this is what you want to hear, she said, I'll take responsibility for Mariah's bruises. Like, I uh, may have spanked her too hard, but I'm not taking responsibility for her death because it wasn't me. Like, maybe she has bruises from, like, me, um, I don't want to say punishing, like, disciplining her. Right. But I, in no way, shape, or form would have caused her death. Okay. Um, So the psychologist is then back on screen. And he said that they were interrogating her without water for hours with no bathroom break, no food. And this is um, conducive to causing false confessions. This is a woman who's been used and coerced by men her whole life. And now she's being shouted at, yelled at, and demeaned by the police. And to get them to stop, she does what they want. And of course, they didn't play the entire video for the jury, only the last hour of her confessing. Most attorneys would have motioned to suppress the statement and that it was a false confession and that it was coerced, but her uh, Melissa's attorney did not do that. Why not? There's no, re- like, they said it's wild in a capital murder case that they didn't, but the attorney just didn't. Was he a public defender or she? I don't believe so. Uh, yes, probably. Okay. They don't say. Like, they never really bring them up like they're not interviewed and they're not oh they're not really a part of that no okay um and when she was first arrested this is the first time melissa had ever been arrested which is kind of wild as well just because of like who her boyfriends the type of people that she associated with and through her drug use so she just thought that she'd deal with this now and that she'd be out and home with her family soon like she's like okay you know what i mean this is no big deal It's my first arrest, whatever. But they offer her a plea deal. And in the first plea deal, she's offered 30 years. And she says no because she said, I'm not guilty. Because she's what, at that time, probably mid-30s? Yeah. She had, yes. She was, because she was 48 and she'd been in jail for 11 years. So mid-30s. Okay. And her lawyer said, I mean... If you if you take 30 years, you'll only be 68 when you come out. You'll still see your kids again. But she refused to take the deal. So Melissa knew she was going to go to trial, but she thought she would be fine because her kids would be able to testify and prove that she was innocent. But her lawyer said that wouldn't be good or necessary to put her children on the stand. So he didn't talk to her family or her kids. He didn't question them. He never once spoke to them. And no one on the trial spoke on her behalf, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. There's even an affidavit. Listen to this. This is when it starts to get wild. Okay. There's an affidavit from a mitigation specialist who had been hired by the defense attorney explaining that she was denied access to the kids until very late in the process. But when she was finally able to talk to some of them, there was an indication that one of the daughters, Alexandra, said that she was responsible for Mariah falling down the stairs. And I quote, Alexandra stated that she had been angry that day as Mariah was always crying and getting in between the other children while they were fighting and playing. She then stated she was the reason that Mariah fell down the stairs. Hmm. This was brought to the defense counsel's attention and she was told that this information was not to be conveyed to anyone outside of that room. She was not to repeat it and it was not to be discussed. 
The defense attorney claims that they did this because it would have resulted in criminal charges for Melissa's daughter. And he said, why would I ruin a teenager's life? But instead, you ruin Melissa's? What? So he never brought that information in front of the jury during Melissa's trial at all. And then, and then. What? One of the daughters comes forward and says that she had gone to the lawyer's office with her aunt because she wanted to tell what she knew. She had seen her sister, Alex, bang Mariah's head on the ground and do so with, like, no feeling, without, like, having any care for it whatsoever. She didn't care that she hurt Mariah when she did it, and it was never brought up in court. Apparently, Alex had been really mean to Mariah their whole life. Most of the bruises on Mariah were coming from Alexandra. What? So. So what do they think that she was just lying? Now, was Melissa protecting Alexandra? So now we have Melissa on screen and she's admitting to this day that Alexandra always hated Mariah because Mariah was not her sister. She was from another man and she basically told Melissa that she didn't love Mariah and that she was never going to love Mariah. On several occasions, Melissa had seen bruises on Mariah and she had a clue that it was done by Alexandra. And so she admitted that she had caused Mariah's bruises to the police to protect Alexandra. She thought if she did that, they wouldn't do anything to Alex. And then... What? They bring Alex on screen, giving an interview. Not in prison, by the way. I just want to point that out. Just like on a couch, super casual, holding a child of her own. No big deal. She said that she didn't have a bond with Mariah because she didn't really know her. She was like, I mean, she was four at the time. She didn't feel that she, that... Mariah was really like her sibling at all. She said she didn't hit her, not in a forceful way. Maybe just to spank if she didn't listen or do what she wanted. But she said she never hit her like her family was claiming. She also doesn't remember saying that she pushed her or was responsible for it. And then they just like cut her interview off. And I was like screaming at my TV like, okay, murderer. Like it sounds to me. Like you might be involved. It sounds like so you then, are guilty. Right? So then they show another interview with the mother, or not with the mother, with one of Melissa's siblings. And she said, I asked Melissa one time, like, Melissa, what's going on with Mariah? Do you think that Alex is, like, taking advantage of Mariah or or hitting Mariah? And she said, like, Melissa wouldn't answer. She just put her head down and started crying. And this was, like, well before she got arrested for the murder. So the family hired a private investigator, and this investigator went to Melissa's attorney after the trial and was like, hi, you actually have statements from others and from Alex that it was Alex herself and not Melissa that caused this death. And that's when he said, like, why would I ruin a teenage girl's life like that? The trial's over. It's done. Melissa is going away for this crime. Because it's not true, sir. So now the attorney's saying, like, yes, the kid said that Mariah fell down the stairs. But, like, the defense attorney was saying at the time, like, yeah, okay, the kids are saying Mariah fell down the stairs. But was she pushed? How did she fall? Where was Melissa? Was this a sign of neglect? Like, is she part of this in any way, shape, or form? Right. 
is her neglect or right willful negligence. Right. And the children couldn't give a full straight answer. And he didn't feel, the defense attorney didn't feel that they would be helpful at all if they were put on trial. They didn't have much discipline, if any, growing up. And he didn't think that they would be civil enough in a courtroom to be able to testify on the stand. He claims that he had heard that one of the daughters were abusive to Mariah, but he doesn't really remember much of it or what anyone had said. Any information that he had available to him, he tried to use, but he doesn't think that he could have saved Melissa's life any more with the information that he had. The trial itself was a circus. So they only have, they don't show like portions of the trial and they, the only information that we have about the trial in this documentary are coming from Melissa's family. So like statements from her mom and her sisters. And they said that like, the jury, like once that was announced, like she was found guilty, like the jury was laughing. Prosecution was like high fiving each other. And the judge, they said they pretty much like jumped for joy when Melissa got the death penalty and that nobody acts surprised. Like they were all pretty much expecting this well, outcome. I mean, I guess I don't see very much wrong with that. Like they really truly thought that she abused yeah. this girl. Like I feel like in high profile cases like this, you want that outcome like you know what right. i mean you want to point the finger at um, blame sure, on you want to give right some kind of conclusion to the event right so, yeah so again this trial was during an election time uh, and the da was the district attorney was running again for election of course and he wanted to make sure that melissa was convicted as the first hispanic woman on death row this was the perfect case for him to spotlight well, Texas has quite a few people on death row. Most of them are men. So this case made for great press to crack down on crime caused by women. At the time, they were getting hammered because of another case where a man had pled guilty for murder. They let him out on bail and he fled and no one could find him. So he's trying to like save face from sure. that by really pushing this case. So they needed to rehabilitate his public image to get reelected. And what an opportunity Melissa's case was. Especially since it was kind of like a salacious case, like child abuse. Like you and I mean, everyone, it's like yeah, a heart wrenching. Yeah. yeah. They had a poor, a poor, poorly educated mother who looked for all the world like she was responsible for it. And then what? A staffer testifies against the DA okay. for taking bribes and paying judges. Mm. He was sentenced to 13 years in the corruption case. Wow. He was being compensated for lesser pleadings, not revoking probations, but mostly because he used a strong arm and influence to get his way in the community, especially amongst the drug cartel. He has had several cases in which he had put people on death row and... What, like, Melissa's now new attorney is saying, like, every single one of those cases should be reexamined. Sure. Right? Like, what is going on? I can't tell if this guy, um, so her original attorney was Peter Gilman is his name. Yeah. And I can't tell from what I've done with the research team whether or not he was a public defender, but he now works for the district attorney in Texas. Hmm. Shady boots. So, okay, we've gone, or I've gone, this entire one hour and 40 minute documentary without anyone really talking about forensic evidence, I feel like. Like, this whole thing is very circumstantial, right? 
But don't worry. In the last 12 minutes of the movie, Uh. a forensic pathologist finally steps forward. Okay. So that... what? How do you say that word? Appellate? Yeah. Appellate court? The appellate attorney (laughs) contacted him and asked him to review the evidence and the autopsy findings involving Mariah's death. According to witnesses, the child had fallen down the stairs. There was witnesses who didn't see any bruising on the child shortly after the fall or even a few hours or days after. But over time, the bruises started to develop. These bruises are a sign of brain injury. So people were saying like there wasn't really a lot of bruises on her before this fall. However, I find it wild because at the very beginning that forensic, the first person who did the exam was like there was bite marks on her. There was a broken arm. Broken arm, all these pulled out. Right, he doesn't mention any of that. The only talk about these bruises. Like I feel like anyone ever mentions just bruises on her other than that very first person. So he's saying actually... When you have like a traumatic brain injury, like if there's a bleed going on, it can cause your body to like have more bruising develop over time because your blood's not clotting right. And so he's saying that these bruises are actually a sign of brain injuries and even previous injuries will start to become unmasked and even minor movement or motion will start to develop more and more bruises because their child isn't clotting anymore. So he's like laying down on the bed, like simple movements like that could cause bruises on her legs. Like even if she sits down. Right. So, so what the doctor did in this case the first one was saw like all of these horrible bruises and concluded that it had to have been child abuse, but there was never any evidence of any child abuse prior to that. So he's claiming this, this new guy who did it, the forensic pathologist made me nervous when he said this, but he said this sort of problem happens all the time. I'm like, well, maybe we shouldn't say that. Like, I want to know. I need more findings about this because it's like, are then people going to say, like, I didn't abuse my kids. It's from, you know what I mean? Like, it's from a TBI. Oh, okay. Whereas, like, they could be abusing. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like there's a fine line in this whole situation. Saying it happens all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Like, I don't want this to start to be a a defense for, like, child abusers to use. Okay. Um, but in this case, like it could be like, I don't know, where's the line that we draw, right? I just need more, I need more information on well, this Well, I think thing. typically with child abuse cases, there, there's like a teacher that will know Right. Like, like somebody in going the child's to school life every will day. notice. Right. Yeah. And if they hadn't been noticed bruises prior to this, that it does strange. seem weird. Yeah. yeah. So all of Melissa's appeals thus far have been systematically denied. She had new lawyers appointed, and in July 2019, the Fifth Circuit of Appeals reversed her conviction, arguing that she was deprived of her constitutional right to present a complete defense. Really? The state of Texas appealed that decision. Did they win? In February 2021, the same court nullified her reversal and reinstated her death sentence. She lost 10 to 7. It was her last appeal. 
Yikes. Her case is now up to the Supreme Court. If they decline to hear it, an execution date could be set by the state of Texas. So that's where it left off in the documentary. Okay. I dug a little bit deeper. Nicely done. January 2022, the Cameron County officials signed an execution warrant for Melissa, and she's scheduled for execution on April 27th, 2022. So she's dead? Melissa petitioned for clemency after she was scheduled for execution. If the majority of the Board of Pardons and Paroles were to recommend it, Governor Greg Abbott could grant clemency. The parole board was scheduled to vote on Lucio's clemency petition two days before the execution. In March 2022, a letter to the Board of Pardons and Parolees and Greg Abbott had 83 members of the Texas House of Representatives, including both Democrats and Republicans, sign a letter stating that the execution of Melissa Lucio would be a miscarriage of justice. In April 2022, a juror on the trial wrote in the Houston Chronicle they had wrongly succumbed to peer pressure during the deliberations and had changed his vote from a life sentence to a death penalty. So on April 25th, so remember, she was supposed to be executed on April 27th. Right, Right. On April 25th, they issued a stay of execution and ordered the 138th Judicial Court of Cameron County to consider new evidence of Lucio's innocence and the death of her daughter. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Two days before. Two days before. I am an idiot because I thought the death penalty was unconstitutional federally. I thought we were, there was no more. Oh, no. Federally, it's not. It's up to the state. Is it only Texas? No, there's there's a bunch of states. I feel like there's so many where we've done court cases and it's like, oh, but. South Carolina just reinstituted it. Yeah. Here's the thing. And I think people are going to crucify me for this. What? I don't think she's completely innocent in this. I don't know, man. I think she should be held at least. I don't think she should be on death row. I don't think that she should be executed for this. But I do think that she, through there's negligence. If she knew that her other daughter was abusing Mariah Never interceded, never tried to, like, I don't know, man. It doesn't, like, all of these things led to her pushing her down the stairs. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's a very controversial take. Oh, okay. <coughs> Do you me. think that she should be found guilty for it? I'm not convinced that she didn't, she doesn't have a hand in that. Yeah. I, there, there isn't enough there that, to tell, I mean, there's reasonable doubt. I don't think that she should be on death row. I yeah, think that, like you said, that's that what I mean. Should, I don't think she should be on death row. She should but like, serve some time in yes. jail. She definitely should be in jail for something, right? Like, and like, I, I, I want to circle back. Homicide? I want to circle yeah. back to that first medical examination. How could that woman just like make up a broken arm, bite marks, right. like hair being ripped right. out? Why did no one bring it up again? Was she lying? Was there no proof of it? Yeah, I don't where did know. That come where from? did that come from? Yeah, that's very strange. Like that should, should sound right, set off alarm bells. Right, exactly. So this case just has a lot of twists and turns. It's like I need more information. Right. I feel like there's some. And there really well, wasn't that much more on Wikipedia than what wasn't in, in the documentary. I think that because there are holes in the case, that even further proves that she shouldn't be put to death. Right. Correct. So, 
Man, oh man, guys. Interesting. Very right? sad. I know. The whole thing's sad. Sad, yeah. Let us know what you think. Jump into the face group discussion group. Also, please vote on our latest poll. What is our most controversial topic thus far? Scott Peterson is not guilty or that I use my caps lock every time I type. Caps fucking lock. <laughs> you crazy person. I was typing I'm going to start doing a poll every week. <laughs> and tried to do it. I really? couldn't do it. I can't do it with shift. My brain cannot. It's wild. I know. Wild. But let us know what you think. You can follow us on Instagram at It Just Makes Sense Podcast. I promise I will start posting again. Please do not come for me. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Sam Smith Says. Follow me at Jeff Steve on Twitter, 1F and Jeff. All right, guys. It's been real. It's been real fun. Oh, my God. Wait till next week. I cover my first ever 2020 episode. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I love 2020. It was my, like, I've watched it, but this is the first time I brought an episode into the podcast. Oh, okay. It's wild. All right. I'm looking forward to it. My ring just broke. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.